Let's read what we just sang, Psalm 114, page 604. In the Bibles in front of you in the pews, page 604, Psalm 114. is God's word. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back? O mountains, that you skip like rams? O hills like lambs? Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. May he bless us by this glorious word. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, Psalm 114 is one of the Hillel Psalms, the Egyptian Hillel, stretching from Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. They were sung at the Jewish celebrations of the Passover, Psalm 114 as well. And as we celebrate the Christian Passover today, Because Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us to set us free and bring us home to God. Let us remember the great works of our God using Psalm 114, lest we forget. God tells us to remember the Sabbath day, lest we forget him. He tells us to remember the Lord. He tells us to remember his works. He tells us to come to the Lord's Supper and to do this in remembrance of him lest we forget. Because it's in our hearts to get so busy or to be so stuck in our troubles that we can't look up and we can't see the Lord anymore and we forget his mercies and we give up on him. And so it's so important for us to remember the Lord and to remember his works. And we'll do that this morning with God's help from Psalm 114, lest we forget poetry of remembrance. First, we want to see the power of this poem. Secondly, the power of remembering God's works and the power of God himself. The power of poetry. This is not a paid advertisement for your English teacher. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the greatest poet Ever. And Psalm 114 is clear proof of that. He's exalting the work of God in Israel's exodus and the homecoming of Israel to the promised land, exiting, entering, coming home to God. And this is poetry that exalts God our Savior. And to do that, he uses parallelism. You heard that in English class? Repetition, 
personification and many other literary devices. We're not gonna get into them all, but I want to look especially at the parallelism, statements that are put alongside each other and that repeat one another. Repetition through parallelism. And he does it 16 times. And if you wanna mark them off, I did put it in the back of your song sheets so that you can scribble on that. Don't scribble on the pew Bibles, but of course, if you have your own Bible, But I want to look at those 16 parallels. Not because I want to make much ado of nothing, but because the Holy Spirit is inviting us to see the glories of the works of God in poetry, poetic form. So the first repetition, when Israel came out of Egypt the house of Jacob from a people of strange language. You see the parallelism? Israel and the house of Jacob. They're the same. Two statements repeating the same thing in new words to rejoice in the Lord's work. The second parallel. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Egypt and a people of strange language. They were stuck as slaves in a foreign people, that is, an ungodly people who did not speak the language of God's people, of of the covenant. Third parallel, Judah, verse two, became God's sanctuary. Israel, his dominion, that's the third parallel. Judah, Israel. Two words for the same thing, the people of God. And the fourth parallel, again, verse two, Judah became God's sanctuary. That is, in the tribe of Judah, in the capital city of Jerusalem, that's where God put his sanctuary, his house, where he would dwell in the whole land. And then Israel, his dominion, Judah, Israel, And the fourth one, Judah became his sanctuary. Israel, his dominion, his kingdom. The place where he put his throne to govern the whole earth was in the Middle East, in Israel. The fifth parallel, verse three. The sea looked and fled. That's the Red Sea. Jordan turned back. That's the Jordan River. The sea, the Jordan River, two parallels. And then the sixth parallel, same verse. The sea did what? Looked and fled. The Jordan did what? Turned back. Parallels in different words. Looked and fled. Turned back. The seventh parallel, verse four. The mountains skipped like rams. The hills like lambs. Mountains and hills. Number eight, again verse four. The mountains skipped like rams. The hills like lambs. Rams and lambs. And then look at number nine. Verse five, what ails you, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back. Again, sea and Jordan. And again, what ails you, number 10, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back. Again, we have flee and turn back. Parallel number 11, verse six. O mountains that you skip like rams. O hills like lamb. Mountains and hills again. 
And then the 12th parallel, again, verse 6. O mountains that you skip like rams, O hills like lambs. Rams and lambs again. And the number 13 is the fact that verses 5 and 6 repeat verses 3 and 4. There's an internal repetition of verses. And then parallel number 14, verse 7. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. The Lord, the God of Jacob. And verse 8, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. That's number 15, rock and flint. And number 16, the last one, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water, pool and spring. Well, that's the end of English class. Thanks for listening. Someone said when we did this in our Bible study a few weeks ago, why not just cut out all this fancy stuff and say it like it is? Forget the poetry, cut the parallels, drop the repetition, save me some time and headache. We do get a little impatient with poetry. I remember being in English class and, well, I'll just say poetry wasn't my favorite unit. Why all this weird, fancy talk? Just say it normal and that will be good for me? Maybe you felt that way. But the Holy Spirit gives us poetry. He gives us songs. That's what songs are. He gives us music. And every time we sing a hymn, we're adding a spice to our language. We're dressing up our message because there's something worth remembering whether celebrating or in lament, there's something worth remembering. So we spice it up, we dress it up with beauty. Because it's the language of remembrance, of celebration. Just like the poem In Flanders Fields by John McRae can tell the sorrows of the Great War in a way that plain storytelling can't do in Flanders Fields. The poppies blow between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place. And in the sky, the lark still bravely singing, fly, scarce heard amid the guns below, etc. The Lord wants us by this poem in Psalm 114 to remember something really, really important in our history. Something that defines us. And that it strengthens our faith and love and hope today. Something to carry with us to remember, oh, this is our God. He's speaking to me. He's calling me to remember the great works of the Lord and to know that whatever situation I'm stuck in, he is God and he gets me out of it. He moves mountains. He splits sees to reach out and get me. And that's really where we get to the second part, the power of remembering what's happening in Psalm 114. We're remembering circles of redemption. When Israel went out from Egypt, there's a big story there. They were trapped they were slaves under the greatest superpower of the day. Nobody puts down Egypt. Nobody gets out of Egypt alive if you're a slave. When Israel went out, when the house of Jacob went out from a people of strange language, it's God sending 
a weak man Moses to bang on the door of the palace of the great Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And he wouldn't budge. But the Lord heard their groaning. And he listened to their cries and he saw their pain. And he sent plagues and he brought them out. He came down and brought them out. That's our God. But the story is bigger. Verse 2. Judah became his sanctuary. Israel, his dominion. What's going on here? He not only brought them out, but through the wilderness into the promised land. That's no small feat to bring a people of about two million with cattle through all that desolation of wilderness and all the enemy tribes. Yes, he brought them in. He gave them a new home, a land of milk and honey. That's our God. Then the circle is repeated again, that circle of redemption. Exit from slavery. Entry into God's home, God's paradise, God's heaven. Verse 3, the sea looked and fled. That's the Red Sea. They, no sooner do they get out of, the, out of Egypt when they face the Red Sea and they're stuck. They're stuck. They've got the Egyptian armies behind them. They've got the mountains on either side. They've got the sea in front of them. And the people cry out, is it because we ran out of cemetery space in Egypt that you took us out here to die? Moses says, be still and see. The Lord will fight for you. And he stretched out his rod, right? And the sea fled. It's like the water saying, God is coming. Let's get out of his way. Well, Jordan is full circle. Again, they face the waters. When they get through the wilderness and now they're to enter the promised land, how are we going to get in? The Jordan was at flood stage at the time. And the priests came up carrying the ark. And as soon as the big toe touched the water, the water started running backward. And there was a wall and they walked through. And the priests stood with the ark in the middle until everybody had crossed. And then they went out and the waters flowed again. Exodus. Entry, the mighty works of God, our Savior. And then we have a third circle of deliverance. In verse 4, the mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. There they come out of the promised land. And they come into Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai trembles at the presence of the Lord. It shakes. God is there. God is powerful. And he gives them his law. And he declares them his people. And that's not the only time that happened. Judges says, Lord, when you went out from Mount Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the clouds dropped water. So as they're going through the wilderness and they're heading toward the promised land, the mountains keep shaking and quaking at the presence of the Lord. The Lord indeed moves mountains for his people. And then there's one more time, cycle of redemption. The last verse, the fourth time, verse seven and eight, tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water. That's at Rephidim. They just get across the Red Sea. They get to Rephidim, and there's no water. And the people grumble, and 
God says, I'm going to stand before you on the rock at Horeb. You strike the rock and that hard stone will pour out soft water. What a miracle. He can take what's granite in your life and feed you with it. But then he did it again just as they're entering into the promised land where he turns the flint into a spring of water. Again, the full circle coming out and then on the way in. Of course, that time Moses sinned, remember, God says, speak to the rock or strike the rock and Moses speaks to it instead. Or he struck it twice instead of speaking to it and water gushed out for the people and the livestock. God fed them anyways. But that's the message. For us, this is likely sung by Israel when they're in Babylon as exiles and they're stuck again. Who will get us out of our sin? Who will get us out of our misery? Who will get us out of this foreign land? Who will get us back home to the promised land? And they would remember. They would sing. They would look to the Lord who is powerful to save us. Because no sin can stop him from saving you, beloved. And no enemy, no superpower can stop him from saving you. No sickness can stop him from saving you. No financial hardship, no oppression, no persecution can stop him from saving you. These are all pictures of redemption. And they're all fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. For our Lord Jesus himself fled to Egypt and then came out by God's mighty hand and came to Israel, there to create a home for us. And the Bible says Jesus is also our Red Sea who separates us from Egypt, from the devil, from the world, through his blood. And he's our Jordan River who brings us into the promised land. He's the one who in his death caused the mountains to tremble. And in his resurrection, the earth shook again. And in his death and resurrection, we find all our judgment and sin taken away. And we find our salvation granted. Life. And then he ascends to heaven. Goes to the inheritance ahead of us. And reserves a place for us that can never be taken away. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that can never perish, or spoil or fade away kept in heaven for you. And he is the rock, says 1 Corinthians 10, in the wilderness that pours out water. I'm going to look at that a little later again at the table. How Jesus Christ is the rock that pours out water. Jesus says to sin, let go. 
let my people go. And sin has to give us up. Because sin, you see, has such a tight grip on us and won't let us go. It might be the love of money. Tight grip. Sinful anger. Tight grip. It might be the fear of man, which the Bible says is a snare. A snare is something that's got you trapped and you can't get yourself out of it. It might be the love of food or the love of alcohol or the love of gaming. Sin is a snare. And like animals can't free themselves from snares, neither can we, but God does. Through Christ, his son, Jesus says to Satan, let my people go. Jesus said, we're bound by the strong man, Satan, who holds us captive until somebody stronger comes and plunders his house and sets the captives free. That's our Lord Jesus. He plunders Satan's house and sets, takes off our chains, sets us free so that we can live for the Lord rather than live for Satan. This is the God of our salvation who brings us full circle. Exodus from sin's power and Satan's power through the wilderness and all the way home. Jesus is our Joshua who's bringing us all the way home to our eternal rest. And brothers and sisters, because of his great power, we're going to get there. We who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to get there. And that's what we look at thirdly, the power of God. Every Passover, the Jewish people always looked backward to what God had done for them and then looked ahead to what God would yet do for them because they realized a greater redemption was coming, had been promised by God, and they were looking forward to it. So verse seven, we move from the past, this is what God did, to the present, tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. This is God's people saying to the earth and all the enemies that are found in this world, you better quake, because God is on his way and you're not gonna stop him. That's what we say to sickness. You better quake, sickness. God's going to get you, and I'm going to be set free. You just watch. And to our persecutors. You better tremble, persecutors. Because God's going to get you. I'm his. He's going to do wonderful works to bring me to glory, and you're not going to stop him. He says to the sin that wants to take us back into its trap and hold us. You better quake, sin. You better quake, O oh enemy of God. You better tremble, because God's got you, and he's gonna destroy you. And I'm gonna crush you. I think of the story, a simple story of Jay King, youth pastor in North Carolina, he says, I was imprisoned in the hands of an idol called gaming and I couldn't break free. I spent every hour on it, every spare hour. I was addicted to entertaining myself 
and, and to the feeling of power and pleasure every time a victory released little endorphins in me that made me feel so good. And I could care less about anybody around me. And I was irritated and annoyed with their problems. I was unwilling to invest in relationships. I was stuck. I was trapped in this idol called gaming. The love of entertaining myself. God moved mountains. He showed me my sin. I cried out to him. And he made that sin look heinous to me, what it really is. And so I gave away my, my PlayStation. I didn't sell it because that would take a few days. I wanted it gone now. I gave it away right away. And since then, the Lord has been rebuilding my life and giving me grace to see people, care about them, build relationships, learn sympathy. That's our God. Simple stories repeated every day. That's his power. You cry out to him in the midst of the idol that's trying to take you down and hold you in its grip. He will move mountains for you. He will split the Red Sea for you. He'll open the Jordan for you. And you can say to your idol, you better tremble before the God of all the earth. Rocks are hard. There's nothing there. But the Lord can make them gush water. That's our God. I mentioned yesterday, my little Saturday message, Ayan Hirsi Ali. I've been following her story for a lot of years and was shocked and excited to hear last week, to read her article, Why I Am Now a Christian. She was so fixated on the freedom and glory of atheism, and suddenly God showed her the emptiness of it, the powerlessness and self-destructiveness of it. There's nothing there. And here's what I love. She said, I found it unendurable. Life without spiritual solace, without a refuge, unendurable. God broke through to her. By the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the death whereby he destroys the old and the resurrection where he brings the new to life, that power went to work in her. And now we pray that she'll be discipled well and grow her faith. She's just a young thing in the faith. But she has discovered a refuge that not only helps us endure, but gives us eternal hope. My sin is gone. God has destroyed my punishment in Jesus. He's destroyed my judgment. He's eaten up my hell. It's gone. He's absorbed it. Instead, he's given me righteousness by Jesus' perfect life. He's given me eternal life. He's given me heaven. Heaven is mine. Lest we forget. For the Huguenots in France 
during the time of the Reformation, a group of Protestants beaten up so badly by persecution. They loved Psalm 114. They carried around in their hearts. They sang it in their homes, in their worship services, and on the way to their hanging and being killed for their faith. They knew. They knew that this God had given them exodus from the land of sin and Satan and he was giving them entrance to heaven and nobody could take that away from them. Maybe you think right now your circumstances are too hard for the Lord. Well, maybe not too hard, but too far from the Lord and your case he doesn't care about. Really? You think the Lord has forgotten you? No. Trust him to continue his mighty works in your life, beloved, in your needs, in your circumstances, to destroy your sin and your sickness and every enemy because he's the God of redemption, exodus and entry. Nobody's going to take that away from you. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord. And indeed, just that the earth trembled at Jesus' death and trembled at his resurrection. When he comes again with the new heavens and the new earth, who's going to stop that? No, Revelation 20 says that the earth and the sea will flee before his awesome presence. Once again, one last time, the mountains and the hills will skip, and skip means you frighten a deer, or a, and he scatters away, or scampers away. That's how easy it is for the Lord. That's the point of the word skip. And the sea will be split. Nothing will stop Jerusalem, the holy city, from coming down, and God taking us into his embrace. So don't forget his love for us in which he gave his life for us. Don't forget his power in which he came to earth for us and rose for us. And don't forget his works for he still moves mountains. Amen. Our Father in heaven, you are a great and a glorious God. Your works of redemption are in the past but they continue to bear fruit in the present and in the future. You will not stop to accomplish all that has been purchased for us in the death and resurrection of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would encourage us to see that Rocks can turn into water at the presence of the Lord. Mountains and seas can be moved at the presence of the Lord. When we cry out to you, nothing will get in your way to come to us, get us, restore us, and lead us through to glory. What a Savior. Amen.